codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 309 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek, recorded live on Thursday, March 9th, 2017, and available for download or streaming on Monday, March 13th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. And in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Winters. Hello, everyone. All right, we've got a lot to cover this week, so Tony, why don't you tell us what we have to look forward to? Yeah, this week we're trekking out whether Leonard Nimoy's Spock could turn up in a future Star Trek movie, news about a new autobiography of Jean-Luc Picard, and the latest casting for Star Trek Discovery. In Star Trek gaming news, two new iconic ships are on their way to Star Trek Online, and we have some more details about gameplay in Star Trek Bridge Crew VR. Later, get ready to lay out your hard-earned latinum for Jake and Cookie's latest picks on the promenade. As always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, you know that we love to keep the conversation going with you throughout the week, so be sure to reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can send us an email via incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. Or if you are bold, you can even leave us a voicemail. Just click on the microphone at the menu bar at our new website at Priority One Podcast.com. Thanks again to our Patreon supporters who make this show possible from week to week. To find out more and add your support, please head over to patreon.com forward slash priority one. And if you like our show, we'd love it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. It helps us be more visible to new listeners so we can grow our community and keep the conversation going even longer. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's check it out. Chris Pine is launching a new campaign with Armani to promote a new product, and the Hollywood News show Extra chatted with him a bit about it. When asked about reprising his role as Kirk, Pine replied, quote, I haven't really heard anything about it. I haven't gotten the script, so we'll see what happens, but I love this group of people, end quote. Now, this isn't unlike Zoe Saldana's sentiments when interviewed about her role as Uhura in the new series. It really seems as though this cast has genuine affection for one another. Then again, they are actors. Seriously, though, sometimes things slip about animosity between cast members or on the set friction. None of that seems to be the case with this cast, which is great because that chemistry translates on screen and to the fans. So, (laughs) all right. I know that Galaxy Quest is one of the best Star Trek films that was ever produced. And, you know, talking about that animosity behind the scenes in the original series. You know, I, did you guys see the video that was floating around where they were on set for one of the original series films? And Shatner's introducing everybody and, they get to, and he gets to Koenig. And he's like, and this guy who plays... Uh, Chekhov, the navigator, and Walter Koenig goes, it's Walter Koenig. 
in front of everybody. <laughs> no, you guys seen I haven't seen that. No. No. It's great. I, we'll link it in the show notes. I'll find it again so we can link it in the show notes. Yeah, wow. it's it's like Walter Koenig doesn't take his BS anymore. So you you know that kind of stuff slips out from casts to casts. You cast, can't avoid it. You know? They're people. Yes, exactly. You just cannot avoid it. And so even even you t- you hear stories of Patrick Stewart or or the rest of the the Next Generation team talk about Patrick Stewart that first season, first few seasons of TNG. Yeah, season and one. How much of a stick in the yeah, mud he was. Yeah. It's refreshing to know and to see that they really do kind of love each other. That they've that they've embraced this trek dumb a bit, you know, knowing full well what this means for them and possibly for their careers, but and still love each other. Well, it's part of being an ensemble, right? I mean, if you if you're if you're sold as like you're the hero, and I think maybe that goes back to the '60s when when you had a hero guy and he had a sidekick, and then there was a, a bunch of villagers. That were sort of you know backup cast. That's kind of how it used to be, and I think as TV and as entertainment has progressed, people sort of expect to be in an ensemble now more. They they understand it's more of a team thing. So I, that may be a cultural thing, cultural change. Well, and that was that was backed up uh, by Beyond. Let's be honest, because I mean we talked about it before how Beyond was very much it made it really obvious that it was an ensemble cast by breaking everyone up into teams and kind of putting everyone on uh, level pegging. I mean I think Kirk is still Kirk is still the the dude, the hero guy, but it's really really uh, leveled out. And and you're right, Elijah. It's great to see these guys have such a camaraderie. It it makes you really root for them as a team and for the franchise and the films. If you watched Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, you might have noticed that Peter Cushing, who played the role of Grand Moff Tarkin, reprised his role. Now, what's important to note is that Peter Cushing passed away in 1994, and in order to bring his character back, they implemented some remarkable CGI technology. This has sparked some interesting debate regarding the future of actors post-mortem. So much so that some actors have explicitly stated that their likeness cannot be used after their deaths. For instance, the late Robin Williams has a 25-year restriction before filmmakers can generate his likeness in a new film. Now, Star Trek is a pop culture phenomenon with characters that will withstand the test of time. What does CGI mean for the future of storytelling of crews like the original series Enterprise? Even Data from The Next Generation, because technically he doesn't age. Well, in an interview with TrekMovie.com, Adam Nimoy, the late Leonard Nimoy's son, addressed the question of whether or not we could see a CGI recreation of his father as Spock. In the interview, Adam Nimoy states, quote, Yeah, I think it's an interesting idea. I loved what they did with Rogue One. I thought it was pretty clever, and I was blown away by it, frankly. All of the stuff that Peter Cushing was doing was mind-blowing to me. I'm a sucker for that stuff. I think it should certainly be explored, but I'm not the final arbiter as to whether it's going to happen. But I think it's a great idea, personally. There are more parties involved than just me as to whether it's going to happen. On a personal level, I think it would be cool. End quote. So, I'm not that keen on this idea. It it unsettles me a lot, uh, the idea of using someone's likeness after their death. Now, I think in Rogue One, it was relatively tastefully done. As a fan, it was great to see it, both him and, uh, and Carrie Fisher, although Carrie Fisher was still alive at that point. It, it, but it... 
it's troublesome to me the idea of using an actor's likeness after their death. I, I that unsettles me a lot. Well, I like the idea of there being a time between the actor's death and them using their likeness in some way, shape, or form. Now, I think that it it really works best with characters, right? So, for instance, a Spock, a Data, people who are not themselves. So, for instance, I don't want to see a movie about Robin Williams with a CGI Robin Williams. However, if they were maybe doing like a Mrs. Doubtfire, then that's like the that's that's a, a hard one to even think about even just as Mrs. Doubtfire but if they were to do a sequel to Mrs. Doubtfire and touchstone it in some way I I could dig that and but like like I mentioned earlier this has sparked a significant amount of debate because actually the whole idea of using an actor's likeness has been a thing since Back to the Future with Crispin Glover he had a big problem with them trying to recreate his likeness in Back to the Future 2 when he wasn't cast in it and it's actually because of that lawsuit that now there are Writers and contracts for SAG actors, whether or not their likeness can be used in the future. I think about I think about Spock. I think about all of the original series actors, particularly Spock, though. But I also think about Data, right? Data from the Next Generation, ideally doesn't have an expiration date, right? He doesn't die. He is now his consciousness has been transferred over to before which is now technically data if you follow the comic series that led up to the Kelvin the Kelvin split. I you know I I think it would be interesting to see a touchstoning, maybe not a whole story, not a whole entire movie about Spock with a CGI Spock, but touchstone. Yeah, I I have a big problem with it because the whole idea is you're supposed to act, right? You're supposed to take on a character and really you should be able to sort of suspend disbelief. I think it's okay as a shortcut. Like if they had to waste five or your five pages of dialogue getting us to believe that this new guy was Grand Moff Tarkin, you know he's bald and skinny and sort of looks like him. Let us convince you that this is in fact Grand Moff Tarkin. I can see it if like as a shortcut, you know, using using a CGI. If you're going to bring a guy in for a minute and you don't want to waste time trying to convince people, but Tarkin was right on that line where. They had time to bring in somebody who looked and acted and sounded like him and convince us that, yeah, that's Tarkin. But if it's like like you were saying, if it's going to be a touchstone or just a real quick cameo or a throwback, I can see CGIing you know, Robin Williams and his Mrs. Doubtfire. But for taking on an entire role, like casting Leonard Nimoy as Spock in some sort of thing in a few years, I, I would rather go – I'd rather hire Zachary Quinto. I'd say go get Zach. Well- Here's my my main issue with it is that I I kind of get the argument that as a as an iconic character that they could be used you know in as a pivotal you know as an important thing in the plot and that character could live on especially with the point you were saying about data but I think in in reality that character is inextricably linked to the actor who portrayed it and I, uh, you know, we're not talking about a reboot where you've got Zachary Quinto as Spock. That's a that's a different thing. But like, if you were going to talk about Prime Universe Spock, I think it's 
The reason it feels unsettling is because that character and that actor are inextricably linked together, and then you're portraying it in a way that has no input from that person, and that makes me feel very uneasy. You're leaving it up to whoever it is that controls their estate or their contract or their likeness, and that it just it feels wrong to me, and I, 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 it, it just makes me feel uneasy. Well, Captains, that brings us to our first community question for this week. How do you feel about the possibility of bringing back iconic characters like Bones, Scotty, Spock, even Data, in CGI format on the big screen? Much like they did with Peter Cushing's character in Rogue One. IGN got an exclusive look at the cover for a new book coming out next September, the autobiography of Jean-Luc Picard by author David Goodman. Here's the logline for the book, quote, The autobiography of Jean-Luc Picard is an in-world memoir chronicling the story of one of the most celebrated names in Starfleet history. His extraordinary life and career makes for dramatic reading. Court-martials, unrequited love, his capture and torture at the hands of the Cardassians, his assimilation with the Borg, and countless other encounters as captain of the celebrated Starship Enterprise. End quote. The idea is that the book will tell of his life as we know it from the screen and films, but more importantly, fill in the gaps between stories that never really had a complete resolution. Goodman has already written up an autobiography for Captain Kirk. So I'm definitely more a Picard fan than I am a Kirk fan. Uh, That could very well be my age since I am surrounded by old fogies. (laughs) No. So I think I might actually pick this up. I, I think I might actually pick this one up. And now imagine if Stuart did an audiobook narration of this. I think that would be fantastic. That would be so cool. So cool. Sign me up for that one. I wasn't I wasn't excited until right now, but Patrick Stewart reading the autobiography of Jean-Luc Picard. I mean, to be Hot fair, cakes. I would have Pat yeah, I would have Patrick Stewart reading the dictionary, but um his uh, the autobiography of Jean-Luc Picard would be pretty awesome, I got to say. Because we don't have a, a real end story for what's happened to Jean-Luc Picard. Nothing official, nothing screen official. No, it just screen kind of, canon. yeah, stuff, time goes on, doesn't it? Right. The, the most that we know is that, and and this is from the comics, I think. Wait, comics? What, how do we know he's an ambassador now on Vulcan? We don't know that. Is that from the comics, the IDW? You know, he's a, he's a Vulcan ambassador now. And depending on the video game you play or the novel you read, he he went to Mars and retired and married Beverly Crusher or I don't whatever the hell he did. He, he's a gardener in France. All thing, all good things. He's he's you know grapevines and stuff. South of France. Yeah, he he was mentioned as an ambassador in that episode. All good things. Yeah, so you know, past that, I mean, mm. but did that all happen? Dun 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 dun. Yeah. Well, speaking of a few products to look out for, the soundtrack for Star Trek The Motion Picture is set to release as a double LP by La La Land Records as of March 14th. So you audiophiles out there might want to pick up one of only 1,500 copies on this 180-gram colored vinyl. Now, I'm not a record collector, but this looks pretty darn sweet. They did this with Wrath of Khan and that soundtrack. And it was a beautiful, beautiful vinyl, and I regret not picking that up. I may just get this one myself. That was the one that was colored like the Mutara Nebula. Yeah, I remember when it came out. We did a story on it on the show, and I remember looking at the pictures of it going, that looks amazing. I considered picking it up, despite the fact that I do not have a record player. Yeah, neither do I. Just because it was pretty. they're still beautiful, and they're worth something. Yeah, yeah, they were beautiful. So, let me get this straight. You're going to buy an outdated, outmoded 
audio recording, and no. then no. you're going oh. to. No, okay, Out so oh. arguably, arguably, vinyl. It, you get the the probably the best sound quality out of vinyl than you would out of digital. There, you lose a lot in digital than versus what you would get on a vinyl. Record. I understand. I understand the entire you know compression and bit rate, and I, I get all that. I get all that. But you're you're never going to listen to it. You don't have a record player. Yeah, but I totally could. Uh, so. You got you got to lock. You got to purchase this thing. I have to agree. With, I have to agree with Kenna. You got to purchase this thing, which has superior sound quality and you know analog, you know brilliance, and, all that, and you're never gonna hear it. I was gonna say that's why when I when I download music, I try to get the FLAC files because that's the but the closest. Thing that would you're be get. sort of what digital. That's digital. yeah. But that, that would be that. And you have thing. probably a variety of devices in, within probably arm's reach of where you are right now that could play those files. And finally, in what is arguably the biggest news of the week, we have an announcement of the latest cast members to join the Discovery crew. To start, Mary Wiseman will play Starfleet Cadet Tilly, assigned to the USS Discovery. She's a relative newcomer with some serious theatrical creds under her belt. And, of course, the captain of the USS Discovery has been announced. Captain Lorca will be played by British actor Jason Isaacs, who many of you Potter fans will remember played Lucius Malfoy in the films. He's also been in a ton of other stuff, and his IMDb creds are extensive. The last thing I saw him in was Awake, Awaken, the, it was a CBS television series where he was... He was kind of living two lives at the same time. It was like in one life his wife was dead and his son was alive. And in the other one they were both alive or his son was dead. And I really enjoyed that series actually. And he plays he plays strong pretty pretty well. Yeah, I he's think dead. He plays... I got a real strong Sean Bean vibe coming from this guy. <laughs> he's yeah, first season. First, first season. He's a well-known actor for, of, of British Isles extraction. He's kind of iconic, you know. Lucius Malfoy, maybe the same sticky end, you know. You know, I mean, he's got, you know, he's got like the whole thing. They are totally gonna kill him, like early and fast. This guy is dead. Super I'm making dead. a note, Tony. Make a note. Make a note. This guy. This guy is doomed by the end of season one. I don't know if it's going to be a beheading like uh, like like Ned Stark, but he's he's doomed. I'm okay with that because I would never follow a guy named Lorca. <laughs> <laughs> Rise with Dorka, am I right? Huh? Am I right? <laughs> Actually, you know what? I have to say, I'm a little disappointed that it isn't Garth of Izar because there was a rumor going around, do you remember, a oh, while yeah. back, that it yeah. could have been Garth of Izar, that it fit within the timeline. It was the reason why they were going to sue Axanar, yeah, yeah. I, I do remember the rumor. Yeah, You're it, right. uh, and, and so, I mean, if you think about it, obviously it was never going to be Garth of Izar, but I am slightly disappointed because I kind of like the idea of, of, of fleshing out that whole story. But I know, Tony, you don't. You don't approve of no, revisiting those too old many, characters. Too, yeah, you know, come on, let the let those let those go. And I don't think the time would work here too because he went bonkers, and he had been in the bonkers asylum for quite a while. I think. Ah, uh, no, but that's what I mean because the timeline wise, this would be around the time that he was going bonkers and ordered his crew to murder. I can't remember the name of the race, and the crew revolted, took him prisoner, and then they sent him off to the mental asylum. Well, if I had a name like Lorca, I'd go crazy too. Maybe that's Izar's first name. 
<laughs> His name's Lorca no, Izar. No. Is, like, that would make sense. You know what? That yeah. would fit. Yeah, it's like Lork, Lortha, Lorca Garth of Izar, or Garth Lorca of Izar. That just his name is Captain Garth Lorca. Lorca's my middle name. No, his name is Captain Garth. His name is Captain Garth Lorca, and he's like, no, 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 just call me Garth of Izar. I'm from Izar. The family name didn't work for me, but for legal reasons, I can't change it. Uh, call me Garth of Izar. And yeah, that, this, I like this theory. You, it, you may get your wish, Kenna. You may get your wish. I love this. Well, that brings us to our second community question this week. What are your thoughts of Jason Isaacs taking command of the Discovery? Do you think he's Starfleet Captain Material? Remember, we want to know your opinions, and you can answer our community questions by commenting on this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO309, or by answering our community question posts on Facebook and Twitter. Now let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome again to Star Trek Online News. This week we've got news of some iconic ships winging their way onto PC, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4. First up, console players will shortly be seeing the Krenum Anorax Science Dreadnought hanging out in sector space. For a limited time, players have the chance to win the Tier 6 cross-faction ship when they purchase and open Delta Alliance duty officer packs on the Xbox One or PlayStation 4. The Krenum Anorax Science Dreadnought was a pivotal ship in the Iconian War and arguably one of the best science vessels in the game. It features Intel Bridge Officer seating, which means you'll be able to use, among other things, the excellent override subsystems safeties ability, which gives you a huge increase in power for a short time. Intel Bridge Officers can also use the always fun Torpedo Transport Warhead, you know, for when you want to beam a photon torpedo onto somebody's bridge, as one does. The Anorax also features the Universal Console Temporal Distortion Field, a little like a Battle Cloak, and the Starship trait Time to Kill, which gives you a small damage boost whenever you use a Science Bridge Officer ability. And finally, this ship comes with the built-in Chronoton Lance ability, which is like having an extra super-powerful anti-proton beam array. So, Winters, how many lances are there in the game? Including this one? Including this one. Including this one, I think four. We have a phaser lance, we have a disruptor lance, and we have a plasma lance. And then this chronoton lance. So that's four lances. That's four lances. Right. So, now, arguably, is anti-proton still considered probably the most reliable return on investment weapon in the game? I'd say that that's... uh, Debatable. For, For... Okay, for a player that is uh, for the casual player, if you're running anti-proton, that's 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 the okay thing to do. Yeah, it's definitely a sound weapon choice to go for. Definitely. Okay, so this lance, this chronoton lance, is acting more like an anti-proton beam. Correct. And why is that? Because chronoton, if I chronoton is its own beam, isn't it? Isn't there a chronoton beam already? Nope. I think the, there are chronoton weapons, but don't they deal anti-proton damage? Isn't that kind of how they... It's, it's like a... That's the damage category, right? Yeah. yeah okay, so yeah, yeah, it's just... it's you know Like a lot of MMOs, there's like you know piercing damage and slashing damage and bludgeoning damage. Well, at Star Trek Online, there's phaser, disruptor, anti-proton, so they shoehorned it in there. The key thing to take away from the Chronoton Lance ability is that it's an ability, it's a clickable ability, so it's like you've already got your, you know, if you run a fleet arbiter like I do, nice eight beam weapons, and then you have 
an extra one that's also super powerful as well. So it is it, it can be actually a really good addition. Well, I just want some clarification on something real quick. It's not a console. No, it's not a console. It's an so ability. it's not even it's not even chewing up a console spot like the other lances do. No, the co- the universal console on this ship is the temporal distortion field, which is kind of like a battle cloak. It's not quite. It just it makes makes you a little bit invisible, and then then you get a little bit of a bonus after you after it wears off. But yeah, that's that's the that's the universal console. The chronotone lance is a clickable ability. So does that mean I, a player could in, es- in essence run two lances at the same time? Mm, I, that, I don't know. No. Sometimes sometimes they exclude each other. Uh, so I'm thinking about the Chimera. The Chimera has its own lance. Can you use this ability in, a, in conjunction with the lance on the no. Chimera? No, the ability is, tri- is tied to the ship. Ah, there you go. Okay, now before we move on, I thought it'd be fun to revisit a bit of trivia about the Anorak ship, which is, by the way, a canon ship. Now, it was a key part of the Year of Hell story arc in Star Trek Voyager. It was a -a one-of-a-kind ship built by the brilliant temporal scientist Anorax, who originally built the ship to assist the Krenim Imperium in winning a war against the Rilnar, who were mortal enemies of the Krenim. Anorax used his Krenim weapon ship to eliminate the Rilnar from time, which had some unintended consequences. Now, in attempting to fix his error, he accidentally eliminated the Krenim colony where his wife lived. He then spent years eliminating and restoring different things, trying to bring her back. And eventually, in the late 24th century, he was defeated by the crew of the Voyager, and the Krenim weapon ship itself was eliminated from time. In Star Trek Online, it was rebuilt in the 25th century from Anorax's plans and with the help of the Federation, and then replicated like crazy and sold via a metaphysical lottery system piggybacked on top of a crew recruitment scheme. Makes total sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this was this was the episode of Voyager that had uh, Kurt Wood Smith, mm-hmm. uh, correct? Yep. Yeah, who was also in RoboCop and that '70s show. That '70s show. He was the president of the Federation and RoboCop. President of the Federation, yes, yes, that's that guy. The Tier 6 Kredim Anorak Science Dreadnought is available on consoles as a random drop from special Sea Store Delta Alliance DOF packs, now through the 14th of April. It's not just console that gets some iconic ship love this week. A cross-faction bundle of 26th century dreadnoughts has landed on PC in the form of a limited-time R&D, Research and Development, pack promotion. The three ships include, for Romulans, the Tier Six Valkis Temporal Heavy Dreadnought Warbird. For Klingons, the Tier Six Durgath Temporal Heavy Dreadnought Battlecruiser. And the big one, for Federation Captains, the Tier Six Temporal Heavy Dreadnought Cruiser, Universe Class, a.k.a. the Enterprise J. Ooh. <laughs> The Enterprise J, for the uninitiated, is the one you may have seen with the long, thin nacelles, graceful and slender pylons, and a very wide, flat saucer. It's one of the biggest ships we've seen. In canon, she's over three kilometers long, over five times as long as the Enterprise D. Now, this ship was designed by Doug Drexler, and we only saw the Enterprise J on screen once in the Enterprise episode, Azadi Prime. It was a key player in the Battle of Procyon 5, when the Federation defeated the Sphere Builders. 
The tier 6 26th century dreadnoughts are available on PC now as a random drop from special C-Store research and development packs now through the 3rd of April. Now, if you are so inclined, you can go ahead and try to purchase these off of the exchange for an exorbitant amount of money. I believe they cost one arm and one leg. That's because there's a limit on the exchange. You can't charge more than one arm and one leg. It's, it's past the, the limit. Yeah. And for a little bit of fun, if you wanted to have a look at the Enterprise-J in action, I'd recommend you go and check out Zeph Film's video of it attempting the breach queue. Let's just say it's a little tight. We'll leave a link in the show notes. But be warned, there is some strong language in the video. Yeah, have you seen it? <laughs> You've no. got nope. to watch it. It's so funny. It's, I mean... <laughs> I mean... This ship is basically, you know, you have to go through all the corridors in the Voth ship. It's like about as wide as the corridors. <laughs> Watching it try to get what? around the corner is funny. Well, clearly they've sort of like shrunk it or something because it's kind of on par scale-wise with the uh, um, JJ, the giant JJ prize. Yeah, it, the likelihood is it's probably not exactly to scale because five times the Enterprise D, I don't think will, I don't think would fit in anything. You know, that's pretty. That looks pretty sexy. Uh, yeah, it looks pretty sexy on and still. You know what I wow. don't like already is the the pylons kind of stab through the nacelles oddly. That's on purpose. That's on purpose. That's how it was designed. This ship isn't ugly. It's fugly. <laughs> kind of got to go with winners on that one. Yeah. It's not it's practical. Sleek, though. I, no, I, I. That's the thing. I think it's a beautiful ship. I but think you're it's weird just, like that. No, 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 no. I, I think in practical terms, it's, it's a little bit. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I mean, just imagine. Okay, you know what happened to Beyond? And they're like, slit her throat or cut her throat. I mean, just it's just like honestly, it's begging. You know, in Beyond, when they well, they, they chop the they Enterprise the neck off of the, of the Enterprise, yeah. like it's just begging to have all. It's just begging to have its nacelle just. Just, just, or just fall off. I mean, you go through a bit of a dodgy wormhole, and you, you know, you know. I, I mean, you got to. It's that whole suspension of disbelief thing. I remember when I was like uh, ten or something like that. I had a model, a plastic model of the Enterprise. You had to assemble with glue and stuff. And I was showing my uncle. I said, "Yeah, here's, you know, I got this for my birthday. I put this together." And he's like, "So what are these things on the top?" I'm like, "They're the engines." And he's like, "But as soon as they turn them on, the things are just going to go poof." You know, and just, like, pop right off. I'm like, there's science involved. I don't know. Yeah, inertial dampeners yeah, and, and, and uh, the structural integrity Sure. Field. So I'm sure by the 26th century, you can you can hold things up with toothpicks and it's fine. But it just but looks remember, starships, starships do not soar through space the way a, an airplane soars through Yeah, there's no resistance. air. There's no resistance, right? It creates the nacelles are creating a warp bubble, and I therefore totally get it. There's no risk totally of it get it. falling. Totally off, get it, okay? and you can hold. Wow, I am such a nerd. Yes, <laughs> Elijah, Elijah, you run a Star Trek podcast. I think I think that kind of goes with you know the what, territory. <laughs> you know what though? It didn't dawn on me until that moment that I actually just explained warp speed. Before we move on to events, we have a new mini segment. Each week, I'll be giving you my top tip. The tips will range from little things that you can add to your dailies to make more currencies, like Dilithium, to little Trek nuggets of info about things you never knew were in the game. So here's my top tip for this week. If you are running an oxed bat build on your tune, rather than spending millions of EC on technicians, there is a DOF assignment chain that you can do which can reward you with free purple quality technicians. 
Simply head to the Betrang cluster in the Beta Quadrant and interact with the pop-up. This is a 7-part duty officer assignment chain and will take approximately one week to complete. Once you have completed the chain, it will unlock a new assignment titled Support Colonization Efforts in the Batran Cluster. If, and I stress the word if, you get a critical success on the mission, you'll get a free purple quality technician. This mission is 100% repeatable and can be done as many times as needed. Some things to note about the mission. Number one, it is not always available even when it is unlocked. You will need to keep checking the Batran cluster every four hours when the sector map updates. Number two, realistically it can take anywhere from two weeks to eight weeks to get all three purple technicians that you will need for your build. This is assuming of course that you have a pretty decent DOF roster to begin with because obviously the better your DOFs are, the better your chances are getting a crit. For more information on this and other duty officer assignment chains, we will include a link in the show notes at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO309. Lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. On PC, between March 16th and March 20th, an item upgrade weekend. From the 6th to the 10th of April, shuttle weekend, and that follows on just after the first contact day event. Then, at the end of April, from the 20th to the 24th, Alachi Alert Weekend, bringing back the Alachi Red Alert. And for console players, the two big events currently running, the Anniversary Event and the Temporal Recruit Event, are coming to a close soon. The Anniversary Event ends on the 17th of March, and the Temporal Recruit Event ends on the 4th of April. As always, events are subject to change without notice. Be sure to keep your eye on the in-game calendars or listen here at Priority One Podcast for more news and updates for Star Trek Online. Well, there's one final piece of news today, catching up with the creators of Star Trek Bridge Crew VR at the GDC conference this past week. The website UploadVR.com reports that during an Ubisoft press briefing, VP of Digital Publishing Chris Early revealed the game will be a, quote, 40-plus hour experience, end quote. The article goes on to say, quote, According to Early, these hours will be distributed over the course of several different game modes. There will be scripted missions that follow a more linear story path, and there will also be the non-linear ongoing voyages mode that provides randomized missions to dive into solo or with friends, end quote. Star Trek Bridge Crew VR is slated for release at the end of May 2017 on Oculus Rift, HTC Vive, and PlayStation VR. Well, that wraps it up this week for Star Trek Online News. Now, let's visit the promenade with Jake and Cookie. Hey, welcome back. I'm Cookie Cupcakes. And I'm Jake Cobb, and this is the promenade. Hey, Jake, I didn't expect to see you here at the bar. May I join you? Of course. What can I get you? One nerve tonic, please. Bourbon. Another jar for me. And a nerve tonic for the lady. You're not still working on your brogue, are you? No good? Not great, no. Oh, man. But winter sounds so cool, right? Like a mix of James Bond and Bono? Yep. And with St. Patrick's Day right around the corner, I just figured... Jake, you don't need to change your accent. Your accent is yours! It's unique, and it's what makes it cool. You think so? I know so. You really mean it? Freaking A right. You're the best cookie. 
It's wicked hard for me to keep up this non-regional dialect. Hey, bartender, skip that beer. I'll take a nice coffee extra extra, bruh. Oh, wow. Uh, you know what, Jake? That's, uh, that sounds alright. That brogue, though. Let's see if we can try that one on again. Sure thing, lassie. I think that's Scottish. You know what? It'll do. Great. Then let's get to it. When two passions collide, happiness ensues. That was the case for me this July when the Federation of Beer and Schmaltz Brewing Company released two varieties of Star Trek Golden Anniversary Ale, The Trouble with Tribbles and Voyage to the Northeast Squadron. Recently, I was able to get my hands and taste buds on the latter. I'm really impressed that you even found this. I searched everywhere and I could not find it anywhere, so good job. Thank you. Now I should tell you, I'm a beer fan. I like ales, porters, stouts, lagers, lambics, all of it. I wouldn't call myself a cicerone, a connoisseur, or even an expert. But I would say I'm an enthusiast that has tried a wide variety and I know what I like. And I like the Golden Anniversary Voyage to the Northeast Quadrant Ale. I purchased the beer in a four-pack for the pricey $10.99 US, but I understood I wasn't just buying a potable. Both the bottle and box feature, in beautiful high definition, the original series Enterprise with the saucer section predominantly exhibited. In the background, a small section of a presumably Class M planet is visible. The artwork is brilliant, and if you're a Trekkie beer lover, it at least partially justifies the high price point. But really, you didn't buy empty bottles. You bought beer, so let's talk suds. The Golden Anniversary Ale is described on the Schmaltz website as light and crisp with a pleasantly approachable bitterness. This easy-drinking pale ale exudes aromatics of tropical fruit including lemon, lime, orange, and passion fruit. Brewed with five malts, five hops, and computed at a sessionable 5.0% ABV, this beer can be enjoyed by every sentient species in any galactic quadrant. That certainly is an apt representation. Like most northeastern pale ales, the Golden Anniversary Ale has a distinct haziness and emphasis on hops. It's unfiltered, so if you pour from bottle to glass, you may notice some sediment. That's normal. The tropical fruits mentioned are noticeable upon Pop Top. The aroma gives them away, but they aren't obviously central to the taste. It's not like Blue Moon where it's synonymous with orange. It's more a subtle flavor that enhances the fruity nature of the chosen hops and makes for an easier drinking Northeastern Ale. But it still is a Northeastern Ale. It has that traditional hoppy bite you'd expect. Oh, so it's a pale ale. I don't like pale ales. Oh, you don't? I don't know what it means, but I know I don't like pale ales and I know I don't like wheat beer. Yeah, wheat beer gives me headaches. It's also described as being a sessionable 5.0% ABV. According to BeerAdvocate.com, any beer that contains no higher than 5% ABV featuring a balance between malt and hop characters, ingredients, and typically a clean finish, a combination of which creates a beer with high drinkability. So with ABV meaning alcohol by volume, the Golden Anniversary Ale falls within that threshold. In comparing the ABV to other mass market beers, the aforementioned Blue Moon is 5.4% ABV, Budweiser is 5% ABV, Coors Light is 4.2% ABV, Miller Light is 4.2% ABV, and Sam Adams Boston Ale is 5.4% ABV. Woohoo, go Boston! It falls relatively in line with other mainstream beers, so enjoy. Even still, and most seriously, never ever drive under the influence. Get a designated driver, call family, pay for a ride. It's just not worth it. Not even a starship? What if you were drunk, but the, the people on the helm were not drunk, and you told them where to go, but you were drunk? Then it would be okay, right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's like getting a cab. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, untapped sort of Yelp for beer advocates, 
has the Star Trek Golden Anniversary Ale ranked 3.46 out of 5 stars from 549 reviewers at the time of this recording. In terms of value, I'd be forced to agree. It's pricey. Simply on taste, though, I'd give the Star Trek Golden Anniversary Ale a solid 4 stars. If you find it and have the means, grab it. Be sure to check the sites linked in the show notes for leads on where to find this and other Star Trek licensed beers. So, like, what's the size of these cans? Are they, like, normal little cans, or are they, like, those big, long ones? No, they're bottles, and they're, like, just normal... Oh, they're bottles. Yeah. They're nice. I I actually kept the box and the bottles. They're nice. But my hand got cold, and I needed a cup. Oh, yeah? You need a cup? Well, guess what? Talk to me. I've got some cups. Nice. Okay, well, I don't have them yet, but they're coming soon. And spring is here-ish. And then summer's right around the corner, which means outdoor parties... Which means luau's, which means tiki glasses, trekkie tiki glasses. <laughs> See what I did there? I somehow made it, you know, work to be relevant. I like it. So Beeline Creative is coming out with a line of Star Trek tiki mugs. They're based on the original series featuring a Gorn, Spock, McCoy, Kirk, and a Klingon. Although it does not look like a TOS Klingon to me. And there's another one. It's a monkey. And I guess it's supposed to be a Mugatti. The product description also mentioned more TOS characters are on the way, and we can also expect to see some TNG tikis in the future, which is what I'm more interested in. Nice. They're between 7 to 8 inches tall and hold about 14 ounces of liquid. Would that hold that beer entirely? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and you can collect them all. Nice. Uh, My favorite is the McCoy one. I like the monkey one. I mean, the Mugatti yeah, one. It's been a yeah. while since I've seen that episode, so I was like, what is that? And I was like, oh, it's a Mugatti. Yeah, the, the Bones one, he just looks so grumpy. I would just love to drink out of his head. <laughs> also a big <laughs> fan of Spock. Yeah, Spock is cool, too. They're all cool. So, there you have it. Sometimes a bad good accent is better than a good bad accent. Links to the items discussed can be found in the show notes, so please be sure to check them out. Have any comments about this segment or anything discussed herein? We'd love to hear them, so let us know what you think on Twitter, Facebook, or in the comment section. And remember, you keep an eye on the stars. We'll keep an eye on the market. Until next time. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. And our first piece of feedback comes from Jason Burridge from our Facebook live stream who says, This might be my favorite show since 300. That's because of shenanigans. We <laughs> definitely increased our shenanigans quotient mm-hmm. uh, after, definitely increased after it. some uh, planning. and uh, some Which is games. why, Captains, you want to tune into. Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast on Thursday nights because that's when we go live on Facebook. It's free, and you can watch us right from your mobile app if you have Facebook on your cell phone, which most people do. Mm -hmm. If you haven't got Facebook and you can't watch us live, then if you are a Patreon subscriber at the $10 level and above, you can actually subscribe to the exclusive audio feed, which will uh, push the audio from our live recordings straight to your phone or other podcast catching device. You can imagine us better looking than That's we right. actually are. <laughs> the audio version has some has some benefits over the live stream. So yeah. And episode 308's community question was: Have you been affected by Star Trek Online ending support for older systems? From PriorityOnePodcast.com, 
Elkinar writes, I primarily play Star Trek Online on a newer computer with DirectX 10, but I have an older computer running Windows XP with a second free account that I use to give myself fleet holding invites. I often play at odd times when nobody else is around, so this has been very helpful for me. I won't be able to do this anymore, but it won't keep me from playing in general. From the Star Trek Online forums, Tyler Maxwell says, I run a fairly old rig, more than a decade old by this point, Vista-era hardware with a bargain bin graphics card. I have no illusions about its upcoming Lemon status. It barely works with some other games I've tried, if they work at all. I became worried as soon as those DX9 end-of-support pop-ups appeared at the start of the year that I won't be able to play STO anymore unless I shelled out some serious cash or upgrades, or more likely a completely new comp. Especially since my previous experience running DX11 on STO were quite troublesome, auto-crashes and whatnot. But I decided I'd at least try to switch over to DX11 and hope that I could jigger something into a workable state, and lo and behold, I flipped the switch and everything worked fine. Been playing on DX11 ever since without issue. Guess this old rig still has some life in it. So I've got to say that in order to play Star Trek Online, you really don't have to spend a lot of money on a rig. You do not need a gaming rig per se, right? You could, you could either build your own machine for $300, maybe even less, maybe even $200. It's going to be $300. Let's, let's be real. It's probably yeah. going to be at least $300 to build yourself a rig from, from, from case to motherboard, processor, graphics card, memory the whole nine yards Mm -hmm. um but the thing about it is is that out of box machines produced by companies like dell asus um asus i would really probably stick with asus they're probably the best one to get like a desktop machine from even laptops i prefer asus or acer versus toshiba dell or sony or um who's another one uh this portion of feedback brought to you by asus I know. You really don't need to spend more than $300 in order to play Star Trek Online. And like I said, you can find yourself a laptop, even a $300, $400 laptop that you buy now, if you walk out of Uh Best Buy with, will be able to play Star Trek Online. Now, it may not be the best settings. It may not be all, you know, tricked out to the end with the highest detail or biggest frame rate, but you'll be able to play it smoothly. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, if you wanted to play Star Trek Online maxed out, then you're looking at maybe a five or six hundred dollar rig because again, what you all you really need is a is a better graphics card. Even an i3 processor will handle Star Trek Online pretty well as long as you have a, a an Nvidia. I would say a GTX. Nope, not even uh, that. Not, Listen, yeah, you're right. Not even no, a GTX. I, I run it on the highest settings. I'm on a GT740. I want to say, and it's a it's it's a two and a half year old. I mean, I paid 500 pounds for my computer because I built it myself two and a half years ago. Um, might be longer than that now. I can't remember. Um, the, the the important thing to do when you're building your own computer for if you're going to be playing Star Trek Online and is it on it is you can you can. You can go with a, a, a lower spec on a processor and a lower spec of memory as long as you have a nice graphics card. Spend the extra money, get a few gigs of, of onboard memory on your graphics card, and you'll do well with Star Trek Online. Um, it's my personal experience. So next up from Twitter, AJ Biega posted, I'm not sure. On Tribble, I got warnings ages ago, which was strange as it was a new graphics card. Nada now. From PartyOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy says, Wonderful episode, everyone, and I love the new site. The changes will reverberate through time. 
<laughs> or will nice. they reverberate? Will they reverberate? Well, did you did did you guys listen through all the bloopers last week? Jake, Jake, this, well this done, one's for Jake. you, buddy. This one's for you, buddy. There you go, bud. Uh, he, Sean Newboy goes on to say, I have not been affected by Cryptic's decision. My feelings on forced updates on Win 10, on the other hand, dot, 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 heavy implication. Right with you there, Sean Newboy. From incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com, Alexis writes, responding to the question regarding discontinued Mac support. Once native support left, I stopped playing until console availability. Honestly, I picked back up on PlayStation 4, but still am a little let down by losing my previous captain and ships. I played from the beginning, and losing access to everything is still a bit of a letdown. I do wish that there was some kind of compensation for us. I understand the economic reasons for keeping the console and console versions separate, I guess. However, for those of us that don't PC at all, I feel like an exception might be in order. It's not just economic reasons, uh, Alexis. The the problem is is that the servers are completely different. The technology essentially behind what it takes to run Stow on console. We've talked about versus right versus PC. There's there's. There are ways ahead, that you can get. Ar- there are ways you can get around it because, um, for instance, if you link your Arc account with your uh, console, they will they will gift you a Wrath of Khan uniform. There are ways to gift things onto the console system. So, in theory, they could, if you signed up with your email, they could gift you all of the things that you have it's on your It's just a database uh, entry. They could port that database over. It would be super impossible to do. I mean, imagine the amount of data. I mean, think of how many yeah. abilities and items and things. No, seriously. No, don't scoff at the, that, Tony, to, because Our Vera has said yeah, on previous shows that, that the database itself... Because we're talking about console slots, we're talking about bridge officer slots, we're yep. talking about abilities, ship slots, we're talking about all abilities. Of the, all of your everything the, your, is part of the your da- accolades, your your titles, like everything. Like it's just it's way too much. Like theoretically, you could do it, but in reality, like my, no. My this is the thing that loads every time I hit start, right? It loads my console slots. Yeah, but it's not just you. It's they'd have to be able to implement it for literally everybody. Well, it's, uh, it's, data it's sort realistic. Mac, and then just deal with those people. Yeah, but then how do you how? Ah, I don't want to get into this. I don't want to get into this because it's unrealistic. I was just looking for a fight. You're such a pain. I am. Um, I really am. But I did want to make a point that I actually haven't made. Um, I don't think I've actually made it before. So one of the things that I'm enjoying about about redoing everything on console is the fact that. It, console takes a while to get used to not having those things there uh, means that it actually is is sort of a native console experience from the start um, and I think that's actually a very good thing for them to have done well that wraps up episode 309 of priority one podcast but before we go here's our community questions for the week how do you feel about the possibility of bringing back iconic characters like bones Scotty Spock or data in CGI format much like they did Peter Cushing's character in Rogue One. And what are your thoughts of Jason Isaacs taking command of the Discovery? Do you think he's Starfleet Captain Material? Captains, you know we love hearing from you, so leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Our brand new website designed by Henry Romulan Ale Pomper. You can also check us out on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast. Or like everyone else, you can check us out on Twitter at priority one pod 
And if you are brave enough, you can even leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe for free. Just click on the little microphone on our new homepage. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Thursday nights at around 11pm Eastern. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Covering the world of space sims including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan, with support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweep Media. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to associate producer, Navy Boats Lou. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, None of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Well, if you watched Rogue Rogue One, Rogue One, Rogue One, well, if you watched, do it all. Where's my tea? Wait, 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 hey, Winters, Winters, how do you pronounce Rogue? How do you pronounce that? Rogue. Come on, you know I can't roll my R's. Rogue. It rhymes with brogue. That's why I was asking. The soundtrack for Star Trek The Motion Picture is set to release as a double LP by La La Land Records as of March 14th. La 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 You totally la 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 No, I did not. I did not. It kind of, you were like la 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 records. God, speaking of Galaxy Quest, it's just like uh There's a good Galaxy Quest reference in there, isn't there? You can't, okay. yeah, yeah, not the same with that one. No, I'm sorry. And this is Cookie, and this is the Promenade Sync 1. James Bond and Bono. Mm-hmm. 
You think so? Wicked cool. <laughs> Is my cat going to be really... No, no. Okay, because I can hear the cat. All It won't stop me. <laughs> Shut it! <laughs> no! <laughs> No problem. I don't even know if I said that right. Oh. <laughs> Stop. With the sorts. Oh my god. Saucer. Saucer. All right, we'll start. Or you can do it, Boston. Saucer. Wicked saucer. They're all cool, except for the Klingon. Yeah, doesn't the Klingon look a little not like they did in the original series? Yep. They look more Looks like... like he's having trouble pooping. <laughs> <laughs> How many beers have you had, Jake? <laughs> we'll cut that. <laughs> <laughs> but it does. You should leave it in and see if anybody notices. <laughs> Nobody listens to the promenade. This is fast forward. They just trust material. you. You, know? right you just yeah. go right through. Yep. <laughs> this is Elijah closing sync one. This is Kenna closing sync two. This is Tony, closing sync three. This is Winter's closing sync four. Oh, yeah. Closing in three. Yeah, baby. Two. And what are your thoughts of Jason Isaacs taking command of the Discovery? Do you think he's Starfleet Captain Material, or will he meet the same sticky end? Hmm. Captains, you know we love hearing you... <sighs> Captains, you know we love hearing from you, so let us know... <sighs> <laughs> We're also on Twitter, like everybody else, at Priority One Pod. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. Uh, yeah. Almost pulled nice. that, that one out. Nice almost one. pulled it out. You yeah. almost clipped your wing a little on the on the rollout. Uh, for those of you, everyone who can't see our um, our script, somebody's changed it to Priority One Poke. And that's a wrap. <laughs>